Adulting can be hard. And have you ever noticed that the longer we adult, the less social we seem to become? Join us as a pastor, a lawyer, and a generalist walk into a podcast to make time for meaningful conversations about life, theology, and the church. We are The Socially Remote. Boy, oh boy, is it good to be back on the Socially Remote podcast. I'm Steven, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Matt and David. Um, so I was just trying a new, a new intro because I was on a podcast that introduces like that this week. Were you? I was. Which one was that? So you remember Grumpy Dan from a few episodes ago? I do. He sat over there. He did. And since we have video, that's real helpful. <laughs> I'm pointing. No, you're not. You're <laughs> not pointing at all. So it's not helpful in any way. So he has a podcast called History or His Story, which I started listening to. Wait a after minute. You're he, mentioning another podcast in our podcast. I am. And yet you failed to mention our podcast in his podcast. Just to, want to get that on the record. Yes. To, okay, to my ahead. credit, though, there were there was an incident at both the front and the back of that podcast. So you should go watch it or listen to it. It is actually live. You can see that podcast. That's how they introduce it. So I was trying that out. I wasn't sure. How, how, did, how do you feel like that fit for our intro? Split the difference. Boy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So. On that note, I want to hit a couple things real quick before we before we dive in tonight on our topic, continuing our topic of discipleship. First thing I want to do is I want to give a shout out. We actually got a real email this week. After we said that we had only gotten spam, we got our first email from Ben Reeves. So thank you for listening. He said he's our number one fan. So thank you, Ben. Ben's a good guy, man. He is. He is. I know, Ben. If you write us two emails, you might be our number one fan. But right now, Ben is our number one fan. So thank you for the email, Ben. Second thing I want to mention is that after these podcasts, we typically reach out to the people we mention, uh, not all the people we mention. We mention them in a negative way. We don't reach out to them because <laughs> that would be awkward. But if we mention them in a positive way, we reach out to them. And so we've heard back from a number of people like uh, Mark Odin, who wrote the coronavirus article we talked about the first time. We've, we've heard back from Andy Crouch and Kevin Van Hooser and even Caleb Waits, who we mentioned last time. So I just think it's cool that we're picking up uh, people and, and that people are responding. Yeah, it's cool of them to write back to our little podcast and acknowledge us in that way. And so we thank you. And we're super grateful for the ways that they've contributed to our ideas. All right. So, and then my last thing, Matt, just so you know, a little bit of history. I think we need to, we need to acknowledge the roots of this platform, this medium that we're on called podcasting. It's July 1st. By the time this drops, it won't be, but we are recording on July 1st. In July 1st, 1979, the first Sony Walkman went on sale. I wasn't born in 1979, but I had a Walkman. Mm. Not the first version. Not the first version. If you look it up, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty awesome. It's pretty 80s. Pretty janky. Mm. Yeah, it is. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Throw back. Yeah, there we go. So Matt, you want to introduce this episode? Yeah. You sure you're born in 1979? <laughs> I wasn't born I was in thinking 1979. You were born just recently. Just your voice is still cracking. <laughs> 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 I just hit puberty. All right. Anyway. Uh, last week, uh, we had a nice conversation about discipleship. We kind of used as a sort of a baseline from it some recent uh, deconversion stories. And then we started talking about how do these things happen? What can the church do better? And really kind of dove into the topic of you know discipleship generally. And that actually flowed from a prior episode in which we talked to Stephen about his book. And remind me, Stephen, the root of the word discipleship. I thought you were going to ask what the title of my book was, and I was going to be really well. We, we, <laughs> I was going to be really we, hurt. Well, we it's called the relational God. You can buy it on yeah, Amazon. We tend to there we go. I couldn't forget the name of it if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the root of 
discipline. So yes. we, we started this by talking about discipline and how parents are supposed to be disciplining their children. But the root of that word, even in, in the Greek, we have it the same in English as it is in Greek, is to disciple. Uh, and so discipline connotates sort of teaching or discipling with consequences. Yes. Uh, but we talked about in that episode that you need to be teaching your children. And sometimes that, that bleeds over into discipline that, you know, not all consequent, whenever we think about consequences, we, I think in that episode, we talked about how so often it's punishment, right? Instead of thinking about it and it's, and it's correctional instead of thinking about it as being a teaching moment and maybe having to use those consequences to, to drive home a point, but, but also you can gently use discipline and consequences to teach your children. So that's, that's kind of how we got to where we are. Yeah, that's good. That's a good recap. And so we talked about how the sort of idea of sort of fading away from the faith, et cetera, not something new, but the early church dealt with it. And so what we thought we would do in this episode is try to get a little bit more practical, but try to look and in a little little bit deeper discussion about some of the things that we discussed on the prior episode. And 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 I said this to you both, like when we did that podcast, and I think somebody said this, it might have been you, David the end, we're like, did we really solve this? And it's like, not really. And of course, we're never going to solve it completely. Like we're just three guys talking about it. But when we went back and actually listened to the episode, I think there were some specific things that I think we talked about when it comes to the church and and discipleship and those type of things. And I think we want to spend this episode diving in a little bit deeper on some of those subjects. So, so should we do a sneak peek perhaps? Yeah, let's do a sneak peek. Excellent. Just to give us a quick sneak peek, I wanted to summarize, like Matt said, I think we all kind of walked away from the episode last week going, I don't know that we solved anything here, but going back and uh, typing up the notes, because you can find all of these episodes, not verbatim typed up, but kind of a summary of the content on our website, thesocialremote.com. I think that I was a lot more encouraged as I typed up those notes. And here were the two conclusions that I think we're going to build off of a little bit more tonight. We talked about discipleship generally, but then we talked about, so what is a church's role in discipleship and what is our role in discipleship? And one of the things that we concluded was that the church's role in discipleship is to faithfully teach biblical theology, to biblically teach through the scripture and provide solid foundations for believers in the community. And then also to provide a, a space for community to grow and for people to be able to ask questions, hard questions. And that's some of what we talked about in, in those deconversion stories was that a lot of those folks didn't feel like they had a space to ask questions or they couldn't question certain things. So church's role is to teach, uh, to teach the Bible and to teach good theology and to provide space for community. And then on an individual level, as part of the church, we need to remember that that a church is made up of the people. It's not when we say it's the church's role to do this. It's not pointing at someone else's. It's the church's role, meaning it's our role to do those things. But on an individual level, it's also our responsibility to uh, learn and to seek out teaching. And that may even be in areas outside of the, our local congregation. And I think we'll talk about that some tonight. And then also to pursue community and pursue fellowship with other believers because outside of community, the church doesn't exist. So I think Matt, you said Christianity is a team sport. Is that, I did say that. Yeah. So we're going to build off of that tonight. So that's kind of a sneak peek. We, we felt like that that would be a good foundation to kind of springboard into a conversation about, okay, so what does that look like? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. 
So it'll be kind of a continuing conversation of the last episode. You want to take us into the counselors? David, why don't you tell us how you feel first once we get into this segment? Feelings are mentionable and manageable. Yeah, I feel like this is a good direction to go because I think sometimes we look at the issue and we want to throw our hands in the air like there's nothing that we can do about it. Like the church is, has just become too irrelevant within the culture or postmodernism. I realize we're in like post, postmodernism or whatever, but that's just taking too big a hold or folks are gone too far. And like we said over and over again last time, this is an age old issue of discipleship, of faithfulness to Jesus. And so to throw our hands up in the air is obviously the wrong response. And so there is a way forward. Lots of churches are trying to figure out what that looks like. What is that way forward? And we were saying last week, you know, it's, it's more than just trying to get folks in the door. And I think that's what maybe where some churches stop. It's just like, we got to get our numbers up. No, we want more faithful followers of Jesus. And the Bible is sufficient for that. It's sufficient for all that we need as Christians to live a faithful Christian life. So our job is just to study the scriptures and be faithful to what it's commanded is to. So I don't feel like this is a desperate situation that we're in certainly needs a remedy, but I think God's given us that. Matt, how do you feel? Feeling pretty good because I'm hoping to get a little bit more practical here. And I'm looking forward to actually talking to you guys about this because I think we hopefully can share some of our own thoughts on this stuff and how we feel like we're doing this or trying to do this better and that we can share it with our listeners. So I'm good. So I think I kind of alluded to this in the sneak peek, but I kind of left our last episode feeling a little frustrated. I kind of felt like it was maybe get a little meta here, talk about our own selves for a minute. It was maybe our worst episode of the bunch. I felt like we just kind of circled around some stuff. But then when I went back and listened to it, I was actually really encouraged uh, about the conclusions we had come to. And I was also very encouraged about the amount of Bible that we had in that episode. I've added some more scripture in the post that we put up uh, post episode that just came to mind. But I think tonight we're going to talk about, okay, so how do we do that practically? Like you said, so I'm, I'm really encouraged. And and I think the practical side of, of what we talk about is really a lot of times what people want to hear, even though sometimes it's the most uncomfortable thing to talk about. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready. You remember that was it Roosevelt who had fireside chats? Yes, they did. Yes. So old FDR. Yeah. Doesn't that just sound so warm and friendly? Like you want to be part of that. So I feel like tonight is going to be a fireside chat. That's how I feel. It's so hot though. It's okay. So maybe it's a snow chat. It is, it is 2020. So snow chat. That's snow that's a fake fireplace on Netflix. <laughs> Today we would have fireside tweets. <laughs> what did you say about Netflix? They have the fake fire on, uh, what? on Netflix. Yes. Fake fire. Yeah. In fact, if we were filming oh, the fake fireplace. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. That's right. So we could have that going on. We could have, we have these screens behind us. Yeah, we do have some screens and we do want to thank. We're pointing again. Yeah. Podcast studio <laughs> for letting us be here to record. So that's really nice of y'all. Thank you. All right, let's go. Let's have a chat. I'm dying. You really like these segments. I do. Um, I love the, them. The segues. Whatever. If we were on video right now, I mean, yeah, I would, I would probably be a lot calmer. Yeah. But like when David said, throw our hands up in the air, I put, I wanted to sing, do the sure commercial. Are you sure? Cause I have my hands up, but I'm sure. So, so. we're going to talk about three areas. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. We're going to talk about three areas. One is contributing. You mentioned this, Stephen, and we talked about it a little bit. It was really important to contribute into your local church. 
What does it look like when we say, hey, how do we disciple? How do we disciple others? How do we continue to grow in the faith? How do we maintain being a disciple of Christ? You said we got to contribute to the local church. So what does that mean? I think what that's looked like in our lives, and we've had a we've had a little bit of a different journey in church because to, I went to Auburn for grad school, and we were we were married after my first semester there, and my wife started working for a church, and <clears throat> I was not necessarily a be at the church every time the doors are open sort of person, but because of her position at the church, she had to be. I mean, it was part of that, like pretty much everything that the church did, she was expected to be at, and so. I had a really flexible schedule and mm. we were newlyweds and I was like, you know, I'll support my wife in this way. I'll go. And it was really rewarding. At first it was kind of like it was tedious, but it ended up being really rewarding because we got to know a lot of people from a lot of different generations, people that we normally would not have sought out and built relationships with that came to all these different sort of functions that then we built relationships with. And those were, those were really good relationships. And so when we moved back to the area we're in now here in Greenville, uh, that we just sort of did that. And now it's something that we do with our family. You know, we are maybe that rare millennial or close to Gen X or that is at the church every, not every time the doors are open, but we do a lot of the church stuff. And, you know, we've talked about how the three of us sort of co-teach Sunday school. And so I think, I think being involved at the church uh, has, has been sort of where we have placed our time. So one thing I would say to encourage others is our generation has so many relationships. You're trying to juggle work. You're trying to juggle, you know, if your kids are in school, maybe they've got school sports. friends, sports, yep, yep. if your family is in town. And so a lot of times it's really easy to just say, okay, compartmentalize the church and go, well, I got my church people over here on Sunday mornings, maybe if it go a Sunday evenings, but then I got to manage all these other relationships. And I actually made, I did make this argument in the book. I maybe have made it a little bit too strongly as, as one person told me, but if we think about the church, uh, as, as being a family, especially the local church, and we think about it as being a, a marriage and that these are, there's a marriage to Christ, but then these are our brothers and sisters. I think there's scriptural grounds to say that you prioritize your church relationships. And when I say that, I do mean local church. Uh, because that's where that's the, not the big C church. Cause I could easily say, well, I'm hanging out with this other person. They're part of my big C church family, but at the expense of your local church family. And I think by doing that, it, it is a lot more like siblings because you have to hang out with people that you maybe wouldn't normally hang out with. And, it, and that's probably the same is true for siblings. And so I made that argument in the book, but it's been, it's been a rewarding experience, I think. And I think often when we get our toes stepped on or our feelings hurt in a church, a lot of times it's really easy to leave, especially here in the Southeast, instead of trying to work it out like you would with, with a normal sibling, right? Like you would have to work it out um, yeah. because you can't get rid of that sibling. So, so that's, that's kind of how we've done it. We we've tried to prioritize church and I, I don't do, I, I say all that and I, I'm going to tell you, I don't do all that perfectly. Uh, I still have friends outside of the church. I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> almost sounds like a little cultish, but the, the more you prioritize something, the more you'll get out of it and the church, the church is there. And so, yeah, it's interesting. You answered it the way, the the way you did, because when I was thinking of contributing to the church, I was thinking something more tangible and you immediately went to, I'm involved in the community of the church. Yeah. I've buy-in. As a, right. But I, what I would have thought you would answer to, Hey, you know, I've taught or co-taught or whatever you want to say for like 10 years. I'm a deacon in the church. I've, you know, those would have been the things I thought you would have said. And actually, 
barely mentioned teaching and didn't say anything about being a deacon. So um, yeah. that kind of strikes me as interesting because one of the things that a lot of churches try to do is say, hey, what are your spiritual gifts? That's a big thing that churches try to go through. And it's funny the way you answered it. You just didn't really get into that and say, hey, well, I'm using my spiritual gifts to teach or I'm using my spiritual gifts to be a deacon or whatever. You were more about, hey, I'm contributing to the church by being there and being with other members of my church. Yeah, I think so. I think that's true. But I'm struggling with that statement too, Matt, because as a teacher, I want other people to get involved. And I think in the last episode, I mentioned my friend Dustin, who, who yeah. whose life got changed yeah, yeah, by, yeah. by being asked to teach. Right. And so I struggle with that because I do think that that is a step. And if you haven't taken that step, if you, if all you're doing is consuming church and what I mean by that is just being a consumer, totally like you agree. go, uh, you, maybe you complain about the music every now and then the sermon, but you are not involved in that community and you don't have sort of skin in the game, if you will, then all you're doing is consuming church. If you, and if you don't know how to get involved, I guarantee you, if you go sit down with your pastor, they will help you. Yeah. And so I, I struggle with that statement because I think that's, for me right now, that's several steps back. Like you do need to know what your spiritual gifts are and you need to, yeah. you need to pray. And I'm not saying take a spiritual gift survey or anything. Just go pray over some of the spiritual gifts passages. So just pray over those but, passages. Yeah. Say, Where have you gifted me God and, and go start serving in those areas. And I want to bring David into this conversation yeah. in just a second, but I think you, I, I don't want that point that you just made to get lost, which is we live in a culture that is extremely transactional. Yes. And we can't treat church that way. Like treating church transactionally, i.e. I go on Sunday morning, maybe once a month or whatever, but it's very transactional. I get what I want out of it and that's it. Like the the relationship to the church cannot be transactional. Right. No, I, and I, that's, yeah. that's a discipline you have to learn. It's not because the culture, everything else is becoming so transactional. David, what are you thinking? Well, I realize it's probably an overgeneralization, but to some extent you're going to get out of church what you put into it. And I understand there are folks that go and serve and serve and give everything and the church lets them down and they go to a different church or something like that. But but like you were saying, to come on a Sunday morning and just be there to consume, possibly criticize along with that, <laughs> and then just say, you know, this isn't this isn't meeting my needs. I don't feel needed, I don't feel plugged in or whatever. Churches on the one hand need to do a better job of not doing anything to promote the idea that the staff or the, the quote pros are the ones who do ministry, right? The, the, yeah. the leaders of the church, their job is to equip the church for ministry, Ephesians four twelve. So it's our job to help people minister. It's not our job to minister for them as leaders in the church. So the church needs to do a better job of seeing that and not just looking to the leaders, but then folks, like we've said, need to also take some initiative there and just come say, how can I get involved? Not just pointing out problems and saying, you need to do something about that, but coming and asking, how can I, how can I be part of the solution? Yeah. Yeah, How can I be part of the solution to, to fixing what I see is maybe an area where the church is not matching up with uh, biblical standards. So again, it's an oversimplification to just say, well, the, your, your issues are going to be fixed if you put more into it, because there's no guarantee that's always going to be the solution. But at the same time, if you're just there Sunday morning for an hour, and then you look and just say, well, the church doesn't mean that much to me. Well, yeah, if you've spent the rest of your week doing everything else and the church gets one hour of your yeah, week, that's right. then yeah, it's probably not going to be too high on the priority list. So I am curious about this because Michelle worked at a church. I know that that happens, right? You get emails, you get texts, you get people that want to take you to lunch or coffee or whatever to complain about something. Mm -hmm. How do you lovingly point that out in a ministry setting? Like, okay, noted, 
but you know, what are you doing in the church? You know, who was it that was asked not what your country can do? Is that, was that That's JFK? Oh, okay. That's, I thought I was on a Roosevelt kick here. No, <laughs> but like, so how do you lovingly point that out in someone that you know, maybe you have a consumerist mentality of the church and you know, maybe you should be the answer that you want to see. Well, you know, obviously you don't want to say, well, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> You know, yes, you, just, yes, you do. You do just, want to say that. You well, just you want don't. to say that. <laughs> you don't need to say that because you want to throw it back on them. Those conversations do betray a sense that the, again, the quote professionals are the ones who are supposed to be doing ministry. And so the church is a body and the body has so yeah, many different members good. and we're not all ahead and we're not all hands. We're not all feet. And it, the more we see ourselves like that, the more we see that, you know what, if, if I feel like we're not doing enough in this one, maybe area in our community or something like that, rather than just writing an email and saying the church needs to do better. You can say, well, if that's something that the Lord has shown me, maybe he wants to use me as an answer to that prayer as well. Um, an answer to that prayer for more investment in whatever the area is. So I think it's just reinforcing that idea that we're all working together as one body and we all have a responsibility to minister and we all have our own relationship with Jesus and we all have the Holy Spirit in us. We're not called to be the Holy Spirit for one another and to come up to the leadership and say, I'm very burdened about this. Therefore, you should all be burdened about this. And this is the thing we need to do. Maybe that's just what God wants you to do. And maybe something the whole church needs to take on. But if you've got that conviction, uh, I think it's great to see the church, uh, the members of the church just take initiative and just say, I don't feel like we're doing great in this area. I'm going to try to get it going and yep. see if we can improve there. So then from a posture standpoint, you would prefer someone to come and say, okay, so here's what God's laid on my heart. Yep. Is there a way that, that the church could partner with this or how can, how can I take part in this alongside the local body? What is the posture you're looking for then in that scenario? I mean, humility, obviously. Um, oh, I love that. I was about to say that. Yeah. I just taught Peter, first Peter five. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Go. No, just, just great humility in that, don't assume the pastors should be aware of every need that needs to be met in every circumstance. Oh, that's good too. Yep. I mean, who knows why God has given you a special insight into whatever that is. And so then to come in and with an idea uh, or with an air of frustration or um, just coming in upset that the church hasn't noticed this yet. And I have, and I don't know why none of you have that may just totally not be on our radar. It could be our fault. might not be. Um, so certainly an air of humility and then just uh, a willingness to serve as well. Just a servant hearted approach to where they say, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take this over, uh, for a little while and I can't do it forever. I can't do it by myself, but I'm willing to do what I can to help try to meet this need. I think it's a great thing within the body. So Stephen, you mentioned this, there are so many interests in competing groups to participate in and, you know, whether it's sports or if your kids are involved in, I don't know, music, there's all kinds of things that you can invest a whole lot of time into. Sure. And what makes being invested in the church different than just being invested in any other? So let's just use a sort of an, a simple example. Let's assume that father has a son. He's 12 years old, loves baseball. The kid plays baseball and father just invests all this time. He's the coach. He's also involved in running the league and spends hours and hours and hours and hours doing it. Sure. What's different between contributing and investing in church compared to the gentleman who's doing the same thing with the, with the local baseball league? I want a minute to actually think about the answer to that because that's a, I think that's a, a really hard question. So while I'm, while I'm thinking and I will, I will come back to that, but while I'm thinking, 
you got you got both David and I on that last question. So what what do you do? I mean, how how are you involved in the yep. church, and how have you found that in your family? And and David, I mean, on a personal level, you guys too. Um, but maybe from an opposite angle is is do you have to manage sometimes uh, the church versus your family? I'm I'm curious. So yeah, so I mean, for us, it, it gets probably more practical. Obviously, I help teach. I have served on several committees at the church. Currently on the bylaws committee. Uh, we haven't really done a lot of work on that. But, so exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, and but I was on hey, the, churches need bylaws. And, and I was on the finance committee before that. I've taught a class uh, on Sunday night. And so to me, like those are some examples. I, you know, when our oldest, actually, I think when Madeline was young too, Molly and I volunteered in the nursery. I mean, that sounds like nothing, but honest to God, like I, I, I love my kids and I probably love y'all's kids because y'all are my friends, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm just be honest with you. I'm not good at caring for other people's kids, but I looked at it as there are people in this church who need to hear the word of God today. And the only way they can do that in a very sound mind is for somebody to watch their kids during this service. And so to me, it's very practical. Uh, those are very sure. tangible things that I think that I, I've tried to do to invest. And as you do that, you become more invested, not just in those activities, but you become more invested in the church as a whole because yeah. of it. Just being involved allows for more um, low-key investment in other people, maybe just yeah. through conversations that you have when you're with one another. And so you probably wouldn't put that on a form if you were asked, you know, how have you served? Well, I encouraged um, Brad last week, you know, but that's part, that's <laughs> right. part of being yeah. together and being in community and having those conversations that like Stephen talked about last time, maybe it wouldn't be something you come in and announce to the Sunday school class, but it may be something you talk about in a conversation with someone in the hall in between Sunday school and church. And so there, it's just, you can't invest if you're not there. That's right. And by being there doesn't necessarily mean you will invest, but you just have opportunities to do that. And as you build relationships and as you grow together, again, Ephesians 4, growing up together into maturity, then those opportunities for ministry come up. And it's not a lot of times what we would categorize as ministry, like encouraging someone on Sunday is ministry. And we probably, you know, it's different than, you know, signing up to serve here or there, but it's still ministry and it's still vital to what we need uh, as believers. And you just can't do it if you're not there. And hopefully that's reciprocal as well. You got folks investing in you and encouraging you and helping you grow up as well. Yeah. So Matt, to come around back to your question. Have you thought about it? I've thought, I've been thinking, I've been thinking, which probably means I haven't been a good listener, which is terrible. I think so. And so I'm going to talk through this, but I want you guys to jump in because I don't certainly have the answer to this, but I think it's a good question. Can we dive in? We could. You want to hit that again? (laughs) Stephen Kerr Chapman button. Uh, I thought it was coming. Man. Yeah. All right. You did. Um, Some of it, and I would say maybe a large part of it has to do with the, not the consequence, consequence is not the right word, but just it's eternal. Maybe God has gifted you to love baseball or little league or wh- whatever your motivation is for being that coach, right? For for really investing in your kid. Maybe maybe your motivation is you don't really care that much about baseball, but you want your kid to succeed in something and they're really good at baseball. And so and and some of those motivations are right and good and God puts them inside of you, but maybe they're being directed in the wrong way. So that little league is not going to last. It's not lasting. It's not eternal. Whereas maybe God has gifted you in that way so that you can, I don't know, maybe your church doesn't have a sports ministry or, and this is where, this is where I'm trying to work it out. Maybe that is your ministry. Maybe you use sports and you're, and you're using it to help train your child how to witness to other people, how to 
display Christian traits in a secular environment. But then I would, I would also push back and say, but how much of yourself are you, you know, are you also then training your child? Well, it's okay if there's a few tournaments on a Sunday, we're going to exactly. skip church. It's that's not, right. that's right. It's not that important. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn on that. And that's why I'm, I'm eager to hear well, your thoughts I think on what that. You, I had thought about it and I think what you said, what initially, I feel like you set me up just I like a lawyer no, would. Yeah. No, you, yeah. No, no. Well, that's, <laughs> that is, that is something that is a absolute truth. Uh, that you are taught as a young lawyer, which is you never ask set up. The- <laughs> we never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Now, okay. I didn't know the answer to what you were going to say, but I knew how I was going to answer it. Um, well, well, give which, it to us. Then. Well, but, but but it gets part to what you said earlier, or when you initially responded, which is I look at it as it's invested into the kingdom of God, and baseball's yeah. not, and there's just. It's not. It is. It's leisure, and 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 so to me, I look at it as we are image bearers of God, and our job is to reflect God into the world. And one way we do that is coming together as a church, yeah. right, yeah. in unity, whether it's worship or you know teaching or just serving or really just having a good time as a church. Like we are members of that local church, but the larger church. And so to me. I just look at members of our church. Yeah. And I'll tell you this right now. There are people in that in our church, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, that I would have never considered somebody I'd be friends with because we don't really have much in common. But our commonality is Christ, and that is so more so much more important than anything else. Even if the person who is a non-Christian absolutely loves the sport of hockey, which I do, sure. it can't even compare to the same relationship I have with someone in the local church who shares Christ. And so to me, that's, that's why I look at it differently. If it does compare, do you think you should check yourself? So if one of your best buddies is, is the guy that you go to every baseball game with, uh, but is not in your church, do you think you should check that a little bit in your, in your life? Or do you think there's, that's okay. Are you making a hockey pun or are you just using the yeah, word check. check? Man, I wish I had been making a pun for real. <laughs> that and would I, be really good. We're yeah. Gonna, yes. What do you <laughs> nice? What do you mean body check? No, I didn't say. No, body what do you mean check? So, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood you. Wait, so uh, here's what's running through my head. I said uh, the, yes, and now I don't know what I said. The, uh, <laughs> the episode where we had Grumpy Dan on, he talked about relational presence, and I do think that there is something to be said for developing relationships with believers and unbelievers outside of the church, or is that part of the church? So if I'm really into, I don't hockey. And we find out that, oh, yeah, hey, our kids are going to play hockey. Let's be on the same team or whatever. Or or we just run into each other and we start doing, you know, again, we come back to that quote of doing life together, <laughs> right? Can that be part of discipleship and part of the church? Or if you're finding yourself, I don't even know what the right way to say this is, more attracted to the hockey as opposed to the discipleship, should, should that be something that you should do, uh, I guess, a heart check in your life, not a body check? Yeah. Maybe you need someone that's to body right. check you to do yeah. a heart check. Yeah, because know, that but. is incredibly common. Like, so I feel closer to God out on the ice than I do in a pew on Sunday morning. Like, I, I could absolutely picture someone saying that. <laughs> yeah. And I hear that kind of stuff all the time. I, I've heard, I feel closer to God out in the mountains. So I don't go to church. I just go on a walk. Yeah. Um, those things can be supplemental. You can use hockey as ministry. And you guys know I'm not a sports guy at all. It irks me to no end to see 
how uh, quickly the church loses out to sports. It just drives me nuts. And that, that could like be, that, that could be lot. team sports. That could be team sports. That could be going with your kids. That could just be staying up too late on a Saturday night, watching Great. the game and not want to come back on Sunday. So not a sports guy, but <laughs> so, I will very quickly say. <laughs> so I will that, say that at the church we were at, it was in Auburn and I never watched the games. Oh, yeah. I could tell just by the demeanor and the presence in church. Isn't that crazy? The, ne- the next day, if we had won or lost. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. God, God takes a backseat to sports a lot of times. No, you make a very good point. And as someone who likes sports, yeah. I can tell you, people even in a church setting will say, well, we've got soccer games every Sunday, and this is what so-and-so is doing, uh, and we're just going to do it because he's really into it. And and look, I'm not here to say, oh, well, then, you know, they've obviously chucked their faith. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we're talking about investing in in the church, I think from a priority standpoint, the church must be one and there cannot be a one a those things can be and supplemental. supplemental. I love that. Yeah. Supplemental. Uh, you exactly. know, you can use those things as ministry. You can coach baseball as a ministry and use that as your outreach to invest in your players. But to think that you're going to somehow do that completely detached from the church, like it, it kind of robs the church of something, you know, it's like the church doesn't even get a chance to then be invested in what you're doing. Um, and then you're trying to do it on your own uh, without being fed and without, um, you know, taking care of yourself as well and getting that input from the rest of the church. So I think it just, it sells both ends short yeah. there. Do, and we do you can think, do you think that's sort of what's happened in a lot of these deconversion stories we talked about last week is, is sort of like what you just talked about the baseball or whatever it could be a ministry. And so maybe in some ways this started out like, wow, look, I'm serving the Lord. I'm, I'm doing, you know, fill in the blank. I'm an author. I'm singing. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. And then all of a sudden that becomes the primary. That becomes your idol. Yeah. Yeah. And then you detach from the body. I mean, I think that's, that's absolutely legitimate. It it could be. And we're quick to do that. You just hear that so much. It's just like, I don't feel close to God in a church. I feel close to God, you know, wherever else out on the lake fishing, you know? And it's just like, it could just be that you like fishing more than you do (laughs) hearing a hard sermon. You know, that might just... (laughs) To say that, well, this feels more enjoyable for me or, you know, it, it is a sweet spot for me that the church doesn't, doesn't mean that, that that's the thing that now you need to invest yourself I, in. And I like what you said, supplemental. But I think the, the key is, and just to bring this point home, is outside of your job and just the normal family life, if your contributions are to the baseball team or the baseball league or whatever, and church is sort of an afterthought, that's where I think... I think we're going in this conversation, which is to say it can't be that way. And as you prioritize other things in your life, perhaps that's where you get to a point where church then becomes more of an afterthought. Yeah. Or you completely just sort of drift away as we And well, I think it's important that we define church too. It's not it's not necessarily the building right as much as it is the body. Right. So it's really easy though to say, Oh, I'm doing this for the Lord. Yeah, I'm I'm going and I'm this is my this is my ministry or if I was just gonna be completely honest. Which you should be. I should be always. I mean there there are times, in fact I think I've shared this in Sunday school before. There are days where I would just as soon roll over in bed and not get up and go and go hear a sermon. But while I feel that way when I'm laying in bed, I'm always glad that I went. Like I never look back and go, man, I wish I would have just stayed in bed this morning. It, it may have taken me some time to get there, but Michelle actually asked me, hey, look, listen, we're in COVID. There's no judgment here right now, <laughs> but I've been preparing Sunday school lessons for three or four people for the last few weeks. And I can relate. Yeah, you, you did it. You did it last week. Um, so Michelle was like, 
does that bother you? And I said, you know, there was a time when I think it might have, but now I just actually, I get a lot out of prepping. Like I, I actually, I learned far more prepping than, than anyone in the class learns from me teaching. And that draws me closer. And I think that's the way gifts are supposed to work. They're supposed to be mutually beneficial. They draw you closer to God as you draw others closer to God through the use of them. So to circle around, we would just say, you need to be invested in the church as a crucial part of your growth as a disciple of Jesus. And when other things start taking precedent over that, or when you start viewing the church uh, from the viewpoint of a consumer and saying, it's only here to serve me, then you're not helping yourself grow as a follower of Jesus and probably are not viewing the church in a biblical way. Excellent summary of the conversation. Topic two, Uh, we talked about um, catechizing, equipping, and we talked about how it's really important to read and learn about the Bible, wrestling with hard questions, doing theology, not just leaving it to the pastors. And I'm happy to go first, but what does that look like practically? Well, since you're not asking questions unless you know the answer, why don't you go first? Matt? Since you're so okay, happy so I, about it. Yeah, no, I'm not so, <laughs> so I'm so happy? You said you were happy to answer. Oh, yeah. yes. We're happy to go I'm, first. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> well, I think there's a couple things when I think about this. First of all, I think... We've got to get an understanding of, of what the 21st century mind looks like compared to the vast majority of the history of the church. So pre-enlightenment, which was pretty much most of history, pre-enlightenment, the mind and the body and the soul were all considered one sort of learning experience. Sure. And I think what the enlightenment did and it had all kinds of effects. Some were good, and but one of the things I think was bad is it somehow divided out sort of the mind, which, hey, what does the rational mind think, from the quote-unquote spiritual. And the result is, as we sit here as all sort of, hate to say it, but somewhat disciples of the Enlightenment, you know, we all are sort of live in that time period, you know, post-Enlightenment, is that we have basically made theology and Bible studying less important or left it to the so-called experts and made Christianity or any religion more spiritual and and spiritualized it. And so we basically have a chasm that we've set up, whereas pre-enlightenment, the mind, body, and soul was all one thing, and, and learning the Bible was part of the holistic part of your spiritual life. And so I'd say that's the first point is, is that I think a recognition that we've got to get back to a place where spiritual growth means theological growth and biblical growth. And I think we've lost that instead of we just sort of like, we've just handed that off to the so-called experts like pastors and say, you guys handle that. You guys tell me what the Bible says on this. And I think that's critically wrong. Because we don't check our brains when we you know enter the church. Exactly. Like, well, this is just a soul thing. We are commanded to love God with all our mind as well as our heart and soul and strength. And so the idea, even a bit of the idea when we, when we say, you know, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a list of rules to follow or principles to understand, but it's not less than that. Mm -hmm. Um, It it is those things. And so, you know, I've heard people say, keep your theology, just give me Jesus. And, (laughs) you know, it's just like, you can't, which Jesus, because if you don't have any thoughts about him or any beliefs about him or any, any understanding, I mean, theology is the study of God. Jesus is God. So, if you have any thoughts about him, then you're doing theology. It could be good or bad, but you're doing theology. And so the idea that 
well, we're going to save that for the experts. It's like, no, everything you believe about God is your theology and you need to make sure that that's biblical. Right. And that doesn't mean we all need to understand uh, every possible uh, doctrine that, that might get thrown our way, you know, on, I don't know, end times or whatever else it is um, that we all have to be experts in that, but we should want to know as much about God from his word as we yes. can. And so even for me, when there's stuff, it's just like, you know what, I, Jesus is coming back one day and I don't, I don't really care you know, like if it's going to be at this point or if it's going to be at this point later, or if it's going to be at this point here, but for the sake of just understanding that God has revealed to us something about that, then yeah, I want to study that and I want to know about it. I'm not, I don't want to divide over it or uh, ridicule someone because they believe differently than I do on that. But it's something I want to understand just for the sake of knowing more about God, because he's chosen to reveal something to us about what the end of time and the consummation of all things is going to look like. And I think by learning the Bible understanding theology and wanting to grow in that and really exercising the mind, I think it is as tremendous bulwark when you are going to be confronted with the hard questions that you're not thinking, oh, what did my pastor say about that five years ago? Yeah. As opposed to saying, you know what, that's something I've actually already read about separately or or, or thought about a lot myself and I have a robust answer or a, a robust you know, response or whatever that is as yeah. opposed to just being taken in with this sort of you know, whatever somebody says and I, oh, I don't know what that, I'll have to ask Aaron what he thinks of that or whatever. Yeah. To have your own thoughts on, for example, you know, the existence of evil and the yeah. existence of a good, all powerful God. And we talked about that last time, yeah. but just to, to have thought through that well, so that when you're getting hit with questions like that, you're not taken off guard and just like, well, I guess there's not an answer because I haven't heard one before. And I know that sounds super simple. Like I, I, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I, I mean, it, it truly is. It's like, just read the Bible. Well, or, you know, listen to podcasts and we can talk about, you know, but go ahead. No, it's going to get you in here. So I, I want, I guess I want to push back on that a little bit and say, I love the pushback. I know you do. There are some people who I do think, so, I mean, we've been going through, like you said, we've been going through first and second Peter. So first Peter does tell us that we need to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks, not about the existence of God, not about pain and suffering and evil in the world. The hope that we have. The hope that we have. And I do think that there are some people who go, you know what? I have confidence that God has, I mean, if you look at the list of spiritual gifts, knowledge is one of them, right? There, there are some people that God has gifted with knowledge and I'm not super into wanting to do apologetics and, and really care about, you know, wise or evil and suffering in the world. I just don't, I don't care. I know there's an answer to it. And if someone asks me and I actually have to give an answer, I, I'm fine talking about Jesus and how he gives me hope in, in, in the face of evil. And if they want to get real technical, and then I might have to go to my pastor and, and start talking. But I do think that this is why plugging into a community is so important because that same person who may not have knowledge or, or you know, seeking out all of that you know, information as a gift, they may be a super server. Like they may just want to just serve all day long and work behind the scenes and not, not get into arguments about theology or anything else. I'm not saying you don't need to know theology. I think, I think the article we talked about that you brought in Matt last week that said a lot of the folks that have fallen away from the faith, they've focused more on the relationship over the theology. Mm -hmm. So it's a both and, but there are people who they don't really, I mean, it doesn't get them going in the morning. And I think, I think the three of us are like, yeah, theology, you know, we want to hear that. We want to, we want to wrestle about the end times or we want to talk about predestination or whatever. But <gasps> <laughs> let's go is that what we're doing next well, david that's what we're doing next how about end times and predestination in one episode let's do them both. So, under 30 what does god ordain for the end times <laughs> what no i completely echo yeah. what you're saying because 
Jesus commends childlike faith. Yeah, and I right. don't think that means complete naivety, but I also think it, it means a simple faith and simple trust in him that at some point is just okay with not having all the answers to everything. Yeah. Obviously, we're not saying we don't need to think well and think think hard about these things um, because I think our, our knowledge of God grows more and then hopefully our relationship with him grows more as well. But yeah, I would totally, I would totally agree with that, that the, the point is not for us to have a response for every single thing yeah. Yeah, that someone throws our way because ultimately we can put too much trust in that. It's just like, I can just, yeah. per, I can persuade them just enough to get them to have faith. Ultimately that's God's work. Yeah, and so we yeah. want to have responses for those things. But ultimately, like you said, it's for the hope that we have in Christ, um, not for every single yeah, and it's not question a, it's and not objection a, that may come. What I'm not saying is you need to have an encyclopedic response to every question. But I will say, I do think, and I think the statistics back this up, being a Christian today 2020 America is a heck of a lot different than it was 15, 10, 20 years ago. And and, yeah. and, and, and here and here's why. It used to be in America that lots of people became Christians because they inherited the faith from their family. Yeah. Okay? And inherited religion is dying out. And some can argue that's a bad thing. I I would argue that's actually probably a good thing. Religion is now becoming a chosen deal. It's becoming less inherited. And I bring that up because before, with the inherited religion, there was a veil of even if people weren't going to church every Sunday and they only went to church on Easter and Christmas, there was an acknowledgement that there is some moral order and, and, and Christianity was the predominant religion in this country. And the result was no one really questioned a lot of the fundamental things of the faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say today, not only are people questioning the Christian faith more than ever, but they're actually saying that Christianity is bad for the country, for the culture. And, sure. and, and you can take examples. I mean, you can take an example of the, of the biblical view of sexuality. You know, there are lots of people who say that that now is it's bad. It, it's repressive. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that. You don't have to have encyclopedic view or, or knowledge of the Bible when it comes to biblical sexuality, which, I, let's be very clear, it's a robust discussion. It is not just, well, the Bible says this, the end. Like, it, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think the culture will catechize you if you are not prepared to be dealing with some of these issues, whereas before, you know, even if some people didn't necessarily believe, they sort of tolerated Christianity because there was a veil of of that belief. And I think it's uh, much more difficult today. Yeah. And, and so that's why I think it's even more important today to be catechized in the faith and to know the faith, because I think the culture is, is running completely opposite to that. So we'd say the, maybe the second key then to maintaining your discipleship, your growth as a disciple would be to think well about these things about God, to, to study theology, to study doctrine, not for the sake of getting a big head. Yeah. Um, that's right. But, primarily for the sake of knowing God more, which is what we're called to as believers is yeah. to know God. That's exactly right. Um, and then also, like you said, Matt, we, we are probably going to face a lot more questions today than folks would have 50 years ago. I mean, with the internet, you know, there, you've got all sort of voices now that are doing everything they can to try to discredit Christianity and bring up all kind of objections and questions and everything else. So there's just a lot more to deal with. And so it may the be more people maybe, who have a voice. The yeah. dumber we sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, agree. Yes. <laughs> 
No, that's right. And so it, it's it's just good for us to think well. And and shallow Christianity just won't last you very long. It's it's the seed that's getting planted in the rocks, you know, that's that's taking a little bit of root, yep. and that's then then dying out or getting choked out by thorns or those other right. that Jesus mentioned there that looked like there was some fruit and then something came along and then it it died out. So I want to be firmly planted in the faith. Yeah. Anything else on that, Stephen? Because you did push back. I did. I did. No, I'm good. And I think just because of the time we have right now, we may want to hit our parting shots. (laughs) And when those guys come in with banjos, it is crazy up in here. It always takes me by surprise. We don't pay them nearly enough. No, we don't. But we do have to repair the bullet holes every <laughs> every week. So small price to pay. Yeah, for live banjos and bullets. Um, so from a parting shot standpoint, I'm gonna I'm gonna add an addenda to this and just say that which means you have more than one. No, I mean an addenda to the entire podcast as opposed to addendum. Oh, I see. You were you were concerned that I was using the plural. Yes, I'll, I'll give you two just I, so I, I'm not I, wrong. I, 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 right. <laughs> I should have said addendum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go, go on. <laughs> So in our show outline, Matt, and, and a couple of times when you were talking, you used the word catechesis or catechism. And I'll be honest with you. I, when I first saw that, I thought I'm so bad at that um, because it's something that I'd really like to do. I look at my kids right now and they soak so much up. I, I cannot tell you how much information my son knows about Mario right now. It's unbelievable the amount of knowledge he has because they just soak up so much information. I've thought, oh man, we should be doing Bible studies and other things and get them the catechesis. And and I do think that's part of the church, uh, the responsibility of the church. And I will say that that we have been doing some of that in our church, which has been which has been encouraging. I'm going to throw a resource out for anyone. We just started doing this. I'm really terrible uh, at doing things daily with our kids, but there's a uh, there's a curriculum called New City Catechism. It's put out by uh, yes. Redeemer Presbyterian Church in in New York, and it's really good, isn't it? It is. It's you, a. Do you it's have a, the app? I have. I have all of it. <laughs> I have the oh, I app. didn't know that. I'm, I, that's really interesting. So I, I have the uh, app. There's a there's a a one dollar ninety nine cent kids version. Like it's, yeah. it's so it's fifty two questions, fifty two answers, and it's and it's designed to sort of give you a foundation of the faith. And uh, there's a kids version, and there's an okay. adult version. Uh, and you know, it's designed so that you would sit down weekly and, and memorize these things. And that's what catechism you talked about, you know, sort of pre enlightenment. That's what catechism used to be was you would sit down and you memorize these things. And, and so we're trying to do that as a family. We've been doing it now for, for three weeks and we're still on question one. So clearly I'm not doing, you're supposed to do a question a week, but we are trying on that. And so I think catechism is important, but I think my, my main takeaway here is this is like you said, Matt, this is a team sport. This is something where you are to be engaged and on team sport, there are spectators and there's always going to be spectators, but that's not what the Christian life was designed to be. It's not a spectator sport. You're designed and you're given gifts to serve the community. If you're not serving, then you need to look and, and ask the Lord and the Holy spirit to show you where you do need to be serving, where he has gifted you and where you can serve and uh, I've got one quote to close us out. Uh, I mentioned this book last time, uh, Michelle Van Loon, Becoming Sage. She says, when rigidly prescribed roles, forms, and curriculum are superimposed on what is meant to be a relationship that reflects the way faith was designed by God to be transmitted through his life shared together, discipleship starts looking like a project or worse, a product. And I, 
I resonate with that because I think so often we we have these conversations about oh how do we do discipleship how do we you know what what curriculum what what the I mean I just recommended a curriculum right so how do we do this but it is meant to be done in community yes. and the church should be giving space for that that community and and we're supposed to be rubbing against each other and sharpening one another in that effort and it's it is designed to be a relationship it's not supposed to be as formal curriculum like i've done this and now i've done my discipleship and now i can check that box that's not what it is it is a lifestyle it is a it is a commitment and again i I said it at the beginning you will get what you prioritize that's right so that's my parting shot it was a long one and there's two points in there actually three so there were were addenda you had four last week so yeah i'm i'm going down slowly i'll get to one in, in two episodes my parting shot would just be to go uh, back to scripture. And like Matt said last week, this is not the first time the church has had to deal with this issue and scripture is sufficient. So go to scripture, not just for like a roadmap yes. for discipleship, but go back to scripture so that you can do what Jesus says in the great commission and learn his commands and then obey them and be a faithful follower of his. And that will help you grow in your faith. You're not going to be able to do it apart from reading scripture. You're not going to be able to do it apart from the church. Um, so go back to scripture, uh, invest in the church, ask God to show you how you can use the ways that he's uniquely gifted you to serve in the church and just continue being committed to that daily plowing and plotting to see your, to see your faith grow. Yeah. And the other things I would say too, just based on the points and all, there's obviously the Bible and, and that's fundamental, but I mean, even if it's just, Hey, I've got a 30 minute commute every day. There are wonderful podcasts like this one, the socially remote that are, you know, that just listening to them and and talking about theological matters and really getting your mind thinking about this stuff. That's just an easy way to do it because you're just driving in the car. But there's so many good books and resources out there. Like we are so blessed in some ways. It's hard, right? Yeah, Uh, because of the time. Yeah, but we we are so busy. It's hard, but there are. But spaces. we are so many, so so blessed with the resources yeah. that are out there. And the second thing is back to the um, the team sport thing, which I have to say, for two people who don't like sports, I was able to get you to use the sports analogy multiple times in this discussion. Congratulations! But anyway, it, it won't know, happen again. Okay, well, we're going to take that discipleship I, football and put it right through the hoop. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it out of the park, man! <laughs> but I don't think. I mean, I think what what I'd say is, and I think we've all said this is like you can't be a Christian on an island. Like Christianity yep. can't be that way. And what I would implore folks, you know, are listening to the show, and we should all do this too, which is we've got to make sure that we're involved in the church, but involved with people, and not feel like we can practice Christianity on its own. The early church, go read the New Testament. Find one person who was a church, who was a disciple of Christ or a member of a church who was on their own. They mm-hmm. all got together. They all broke bread. They all served together. And so Christianity cannot, you cannot practice it on your own. Yeah. And it's not an individualized spiritual journey. You've got to be involved in the church. Uh, it's so much more than just an individualistic uh, faith. It, it's more than that. I'm going to add one more on that note. So I will have four. And I've got to back myself down even more. I uh, will but, say before you oh say that, man. I, I don't want anybody to listen to that and say, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Like, yes, I believe in personal salvation. Okay. So yeah. just be clear. I do believe in that. I just think the church as a whole, we got to function as a body. Sorry, Stephen, yeah, go uh, ahead. David and Matt said, so, you said something at the very beginning that's important, humility. So I, I told a pretty embarrassing story on Sunday when we were talking in Sunday school about, you know, mistakes, mistakes that we make, you have to be willing to be open with people about your life. If you're going to grow 
and be discipled and disciple. You have to find a, a group of people where that is safe. That's not always the case. You open yeah, some stuff that. up and they're, they're like, oh, did you hear what that person did? And <laughs> and that's why the, that's why there are uh, warnings against gossip. But you have to be open and, and have humility and share your life with people and let people in. And if people are letting you in, you need to not gossip. And there will be hard things. Don't, I'm not, uh, listen, there, there, there are hard things that people bring. And sometimes you do need to bring an outside counsel to that. Not your kind of counsel, Matt. <laughs> I mean, as a Christian, not as a lawyer. Um, wait, that came off the wrong way. We would want your counsel as a Christian, not your counsel as a lawyer. If it involves your counsel as a lawyer, it is pretty serious and it may need, that may be a gift you have. We're way, way out in the weeds now. And so I'm going to bring that back around to just say, be open with people. Yeah. And um, I think that's right. That's a good, and be humble. Good way to end. Yep. Humility. All right. Well, that was a three part series there on discipleship. Hopefully we uh, were able to at least come to some good conclusions, even if we didn't uh, present necessarily a solution, but some, hopefully some step forwards and, and uh, maintaining your walk with Jesus and continuing to grow and uh, mature in your faith. Uh, next time we're going to talk a little about overseas missions and being a missionary. Uh, my family and I served overseas for almost five years and we got some other folks that may join us too and just talk through what that life's like and um, what we learned through that and um, how we can incorporate what we were hoping to do overseas into our everyday life here in the States. So I hope you'll join us for that. If you have any questions or thoughts, please email us at hello at the socially remote.com. Check out our website there for the show notes and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the socially remote podcast until next time. Stay socially remote, but in a good way, try to practice social distancing from the tribalistic monologue you find in places like social media. Instead, we encourage you to have similar, meaningful conversations with friends, family, and neighbors. Kind of like the ones you hear right here on the Socially Remote Podcast. <laughs>